Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. All right, everybody. It's Not So Serious Sunday with Brandon and Evan. And Evan just got back from Tofino. He got us a, a new beer yes. from far away from our neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's from afar, from a, from a boat trip and then a road trip. <laughs> yes. And then back. And then back. You went on an adventure and you brought beer back, which and, I always enjoy. And I brought beer back, yes. Um, beer back? Beer back. Sounds like bear back, bear, which is yeah. a whole other subject for another time. <laughs> um, yeah, no, so, well, I guess since the mention, I'll, I'll talk about this. This is from uh, Tofino Brewing Company, and this is their Tuff, spelled T-U-F-F, Session Ale. Tough Session Ale. Tough Session Ale. So it's an T- amber, okay. amber kind of a deal. Um, it's a, you know, a little bit... Uh, a little bit malty with a mild hops using, I believe it said a West Coast hops in it. So mm-hmm. it's, I really liked it. Yeah. I sampled it before, you know, I, I got it and <laughs> told them to fill it up. Nice. And this was, I think I, I tried their, their blonde ale as well while I was over there, which was also really fantastic. Um, but I thought I'll bring something else back. But the blonde ale was also a real standout hmm. from them. It was like you drank it. And after you'd swallowed, like it was just like, it just vanished from your mouth. Like there was no aftertaste. It was just crisp and dry and just, mm. but super refreshing. Yeah. This is a good one. It's, it's going down smooth. I mean, I just poured a glass and I feel like I'm already <laughs> going to do a refill. Um, <laughs> well, it is a, it's a beautiful sunny day yeah. today. It's like we're in full effect of spring here now. Mm-hmm. You know, gorgeous days. Well, you chose a winner, Evan. I like this beer. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, let's 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 get into some story stuff. Okay. Um, so this last week, I kind of I haven't played video games in quite a while. Actually, I've been really busy working, and uh, I was playing a lot of games, but I was actually playing a lot of old classic games and stuff that you know people basically. You know, they're they're basically highly acclaimed. That people are like, if you if you ever have this system, you have to have this game. And they yeah. remade one on PlayStation Four called Another World, and they enhanced the graphics. Although it's not that much enhanced, but um, and you saw me playing a little bit of it, but it's kind of like two D, you know, side scroller type thing. And it, and they don't like they don't pull any punches. Super hard right off the bat. In fact, I first started it. And I never played this game when it came out originally. I think it was for Nintendo or Sega or something. Someone out there is yeah. a video gamer. Maybe just let us know. I don't remember. But um, <laughs> I actually don't know. I, but maybe I'll look it up. Anyway, my point is is that it's super hard. Right off the bat, I was like, I tried it and I was playing around with it for like 15 or 20 minutes. And I was just like, this game is impossible. <laughs> it's like, it, but it starts off really cool, right? Like, it, And for like games back then, you like pull up in this Ferrari... And like you, you walk into this, uh, kind of like high tech computer building, right? Yeah. And you're playing around on this computer and you're downloading some type of like crazy thing. And then all of a sudden the, uh, 
the game kind of like basically sucks you in, you break down through the floor and you fall into this big like giant pool of water and you're there and you're sinking, right? And you're just watching this video start and then all of a sudden, and this was the first time that I played it, and this probably happens to everybody, the first time, all of a sudden, this thing comes up from underneath you and, and it like eats my guy and it's like, you're dead. And I'm like, what? And then I start again and then I have to swim up. Right. I didn't even know I was playing yet. It just kind of, you just seamlessly kind of go into the game. So you swim to the top of this water and then you crawl out and then you're in this, you're kind of in this, like, uh, almost looks like this desert alien planet. Right. And you're just kind of there and, and you know, you start, you start moving through. And what's really neat about this game, it's called another world, by the way, as you get into this alien planet, you end up meeting this other like species and they're like, um, they kind of like take you hostage and then you break out of their prison and then, yeah. you know, and, and it's just so neat. Like the, the whole journey and yeah. the, the, my big thing about this game was it was super challenging, but it made you think, but I will say it was super rewarding when I got to the end. And at the end, the game, like, and I talk a lot about this with story, it really brings you through this rock bottom moment where your character, like everything seems like it's lost. Your character's just like, looks like you're going to die and there's no way out. And then he just kind of like crawls, you know, to like, and this, you've never crawled in the whole game until this point. And you're like crawling to like pull this lever to like save the day. It's like, it was really an engaging game. And I, I, I don't know, I thought I could open today talking about that. Yeah, I, I, I think that's, that's great. And from what you've told me about that, and it, you know, it, it reminds me of, you know, of some other games that I've played and, and other places where there's, I've seen story, you know, any storytelling medium. And the thing that I love about that, and I feel like this is such an important lesson for writers, like, especially, or, well, I, not necessarily writers, but if you're a storyteller, if, mm-hmm. of however you tell stories, you know, is trust that, trust and respect the intelligence of your, of your audience, of your viewer, and that you don't need to explain everything, you know, let that, like, especially if you're in a visual medium, let let the imagery tell some of the story, like in terms of like video games, like stuff that I, I think of, you know, uh, like Ico shadow of the Colossus, um, a game like uh, journey, which is a more recent one. Yeah. But these, these, these games that just don't, they don't try and tell you absolutely everything. And you actually, and you just, you start to piece it together for yourself sometimes it's just through an interaction of some kind that doesn't even explain everything. But one of my biggest pet peeves, whenever I see any sort of story unfolding is when suddenly I get bogged down and I'm being hit with a ton of exposition. Yeah. You know, which if you, if, and if you don't necessarily know what that means, exposition is essentially like, it's basically explaining everything. It's something that just gives a bunch of facts away uh, I remember seeing him. I won't say who it was, <laughs> what this movie was, Yeah, <laughs> but it was one of those special effects flicks, which, you know, like you, you get what you're, what you pay for, I suppose. Like you're, you, when you walk into a special effects film, don't expect the most nuanced storytelling. Again, that doesn't mean that you can't do something better. You can't take that genre and, and, and give it a, a shot. 
Yeah. But it was a it was a big budget special effects film, and there was this scene where there is like these there is like a, a U.S. military general or something, and this this other guy who's like the the protagonist. They were walking alongside together in, in the middle of this like crazy sort of world disaster that was going on. And it was the most absurd piece of dialogue that I had seen. I just started laughing. <laughs> like they, it was such an unnatural conversation that right. they were having. It's like, Hey, listen, it's like, I had a lot of respect for your father when we worked together back in the blah, 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 blah. And I always thought that you were a, <laughs> you know, you were a smart kid too, but you had too much. <laughs> it's like, it's like, wow. So you're just going to explain to me this entire history between them and you're going to tell me what their character is. And like, and I guess it goes to that show. Don't, don't tell. Yeah. And they're telling and not, and they're telling and not showing. And it's just, ugh, ugh. trust that. Like I always love and respect something that, that will, that allows me to discover something for myself Mm -hmm. in the story. It's like, Whoa, like I piece that together on my own. You didn't have to tell me that. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because, um, you know, you're talking about getting to know a character and, and, you know, when you meet someone in normal life, right, you're, they don't, I mean, unless they're weirdo, (laughs) most people don't come up and tell you their life story immediately and tell you who they are as a person and all this other stuff. That's stuff that you figure out as you interact with them and you start to go, Oh, this person's pretty cool or this person's crazy or whatever, you know, but you start to kind of make your own judgments and assessments as you go through it. Right. And I think if we steal that from the audience, they don't get to experience that. And and that's like a loss. And I think, you know, you know, it's interesting in writing too, because, um, and I know that I do this, but I I find I've worked with a lot of writers and one thing I find very often is it's either the main character or it's some character in the story they place themselves as that character in the story. And I had a friend who, um, who was a successful writer like several years back. And, uh, I'm not quite sure if he's still pursuing the screenwriting game anymore, but he kind of got his film made and whatever. And he told me that actually, when he got his first film, uh, financed. And he said, there's always one character that you will be in your script. And he's like, and he, he was explaining cause he did this uh, horror film or whatever. And, um, he was like, I'm the little kid in this story. I don't know why, but when the little kid came up, like when I had this idea and, and and he's like, I realized that this was how I saw the world. And so I think it's really important for you as a writer to to identify that character because that's the character you're going to try to protect and take care of, which isn't always good to protect and take care of them. You Mm -hmm. actually need to put them through the ringer a lot of the time. And so anyway, uh, my point is, is that there's these characters where, you know, we think like, for example, we think we want something, right? Like we think, oh, wouldn't it just be nice if I just knew this person? So why not just tell the audience? But the audience, as much as you, it's almost counterintuitive. You think they would appreciate it, but it actually takes away from their experience. So yeah, I think what you're, what you're pointing to is like this, that sense of mystery, which was actually in this game, another world, is it really kind of starts you off in a sense of mystery. You don't, they don't explain anything really. They're kind of just let you kind of see what's going on. Yeah. And it gives you, and it gives you reason to, to pursue. It gives you a a reason to continue on to, to start to unravel some of these things. Right. Yeah. And probably I'm still, I'm sure it doesn't, it still doesn't explain quite everything necessarily. I, I can't say for sure, but you know, it gives you, 
it gives you little bits and pieces where you can almost gives your imagination an opportunity to do something. Yeah. It gives you, I mean, it gives you enough for that game. I mean, I was, uh, it doesn't, it's not the kind of game where it's like, Oh, let's just wrap everything up and I'll pull it all together, which in a way kind of works for it really well. Um, but it does give you, I think there's, I think there's a point of satisfaction. You know what I mean? Like, um, uh, right now, like for example, I, I've been consulting a lot with people writing scripts and, and people keep asking me like, well, what about the ending? Like, how do I end it? Whatever. And I was like, the thing that I realized about endings and is that it's just about satisfaction. It's not about up ending, down ending or whatever. Like if you look at Rocky, he loses at the end, but you're satisfied. Yeah. It, it really doesn't, it, it's kind of irrelevant actually. And a lot of times people are like, did he, didn't he win? It's like, no, he didn't. But the thing is, is that you're satisfied because he went 15 rounds. That yeah. that's what mattered. Well, right? it's like yeah, it's like the, I've heard of the the Rocky ending. It's like he lost the fight, but he won at life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was it, well, that was the moment. It was this bittersweet moment. Yeah, it's funny because it's almost it's almost cliche in a sense because like people, I think we, we you know if you refer to it, but I think what made that movie so perfect. I mean. I know a lot about that particular script and, uh, well, enough about Sylvester Sloan to understand what his story apparently was, right? Yeah. But um, he he got rejected a lot with that script and people actually thought it was kind of cliche and like too um, romanticized. And I bet his first drafts probably were. Like I bet he revised and he took notes and he worked it. But um, in a sense, there's, there's kind of a, 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 there's a, there's just a real truth to that story is that you don't have to, you know, you don't have to win. Like winning isn't everything. Even though there's that, that common saying, like winning is everything. It really isn't everything. I mean, for example, if you knew, I mean, this is a crazy example, but if you knew that winning the objective, whatever you wanted would kill a thousand people, like, let's just say you want to be a super famous writer, super famous actor or whatever musician. And you knew that if you did that, a hundred thousand people would die, right? That you just knew there would be a consequence. Would you still be okay with it? Would you still want the goal? And the thing is, is I know that sounds ludicrous and crazy and it's not even really comparable. Yeah, but the idea yeah, what you're saying. is that if there was a consequence that, you know, really caused a certain kind of damage in the world, would you care? And if you don't, that says a lot about who you are as a person. It says a lot about how you see humanity and it says a lot about who you see yourself. It's not necessarily wrong, but the thing is, is to like, go, do I really want this? You know, like I used to say, um, you know, I used to say, uh, I could sell an es- uh, ice cube to an Eskimo. I used to say that. And then one, yeah. one time someone called me out actually twice twice. It wasn't, I was called out once. And then one of my mentors brought it up again later. And we were talking about this very thing. Would you really want to sell an ice cube to an Eskimo? Like what would you really want to sell something to someone they didn't need that wouldn't help them, that wouldn't advance their life? Because if you would, the problem is you believe that every other deal that people are giving you is something that they're just trying to screw you over. Cause really you're just trying to screw that person over. So you get what you want. You don't care about them. But if you look at the world as the, as you, you know, um, I actually just had a talk with my mentor like two days ago about this. One of my mentors, we we're talking about how it's like you, 
if, if you look for negative in the world, you're going to find negative because you're filtering for it. Yeah. If you look for positive, you'll find that. It's not that n- both are there all the time. The, the thing is, is that you're going to find opportunity in the positive if you're looking for it. You're going to find opportunity in the negative if you're looking for it. Yeah. I mean, I, there's uh, a saying that goes, um, life isn't sh- so much shaped by our experience as it is by our expectations. Right. Um, yeah. And it's, uh, and I've, I remember having like an example thrown at me. It's like, well, like to put something really simply, it's like, if you started, you know, in, in your head, it's like, Oh, like, uh, look for, for red cars or something. You would start seeing red cars everywhere. Yes. But that's just because you're looking for them. You're, you're expecting it. So you're looking for it. And so you go, Holy cow, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of red cars around. Right. And when it comes to red cars, it's not a, like it makes very little effect in our life. So we yes. don't, we don't notice it. But if we're thinking, if you're not like, if you don't win, you lose, right? Like if, 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 if it's only black or white, right, you're going to be looking at life, win or lose, and you're going to see everything as a win or a loss. But what if you just reframe the whole thing and you looked at everything as either you learned or you didn't learn? And winning and losing was irrelevant. Yeah. You might actually be more willing to do something knowing that you would learn and become better than you would to, to succeed. You know, so, um, like for example, if the character in the story gets what they want, they might actually not grow so much as a person, but if they don't get what they want, they might learn something and grow as a person and actually evolve. What's more important that they get what they want or that they evolve into who they need to be. And sometimes that's what the ending defines. So, you know, win or lose is such a, I think it's like up or down ending. I just think that's like such a, it's just such a, um, what's the word? It's almost like it, it, it's the most basic way to look at an ending. You Mm. know what I mean? I think there's so many other ways to frame an ending. And I think like, I don't know why we're on endings right now, necessarily, <laughs> but I was thinking about the way this game ended and, and some of these other games I played that were really brilliant. And I think that the thing is, is you can end it in a different way that you don't expect because you're not framing the question in such a, like, I don't know, almost amateur way. Like I think a real like creative individual frames the result in a different way. And like people who maybe are, are, you know, almost new to it, like win or lose black or white, you know, it's kind of like you're limited to those two options. But if that's what everyone does, then that's going to be very common. Maybe frame it in a way that not everyone frames. It. Yeah. And I mean, and also sometimes those endings that are just like, they have these definite things it's like, well, that's not exactly realistic either. Like the whole, and they lived happily ever after, or, you know, and they lived, you know, sorrowfully until their <laughs> death or whatever it was. Right. It's like, it doesn't, that's, that's, I mean, that just doesn't, that's no, there's no, what, what reality is that? That's not, that has no, no grounding in like things are not, but you know, and that's probably why we also have these illusions as well as we've perpetuated it in our storytelling. Our storytellers have done this where it's just like, okay. And you have this moment of glory and then your life is great forever. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, it's, I, well, I definitely bought into that when I was younger. Oh yeah. I used to yeah, think that if I just succeeded at things, everything would be good. Yeah. I mean, and lo and behold, I'll tell you something. You succeed at something. This is just the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> just the beginning of your problems. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, it's a, to, and don't get me wrong. People do not lose your minds when I say this, <laughs> but 
It's like, you know, I love the Karate Kid um, as as a kid. Uh, still love that movie. But, you know, it was like, for me, it was like this ending where he had this moment of, this shining moment of glory, you know, at the end where he wins this championship and everyone's like, yeah, like everyone's losing their minds. It's like, and life is great forever after. And it's like, you know, Danny LaRusso <laughs> is like 16 years old. <laughs> he's got a whole life to live. Yeah, totally. You know, his life is not just great until the end of time because he won this amateur karate championship. Yeah, and you know, and and I mean, I but think it's framed that way. It's framed that way, which yeah. is interesting, right? Like it's well, and I think you know, I I think movies, well, movies especially have gone through. You know, if you look through film history, especially film, have gone through these periods of time where they've kind of evolved the way they've been, like, where we like the way they're told, right? And I think that what's really interesting to me is when you find a story that was told a long time ago, but somehow still stands up today. I always find that really interesting because I think, well, what did, what happened here that this stands up? Because you mean, you know, there's some eighties movies, for example, that, you know, I remember watching as a kid with my parents and everybody loved them. We all went to them. Everyone loved them. But now if you watch them and you went back, you'd be like, well, this is corny. This is cheesy. Yet there's some other movies where you watch them and I, yeah, there are fewer, but they still today, if you watch them today, you're like, wow, this is a really great movie. Yeah. So what happened? You know, that's, that's the, that's the thing almost, I think I want to talk about today. <laughs> now that I think about it. Yeah. It's like what, yeah. What are some of these things that, uh, that make it great? Why do some, some of these things that we love not, not hold up in some of these other things? And well, yeah, I think why, it, why do they remake this game? Another world? Yeah. And not why all these re- other games. Yeah. You know why do I mean? they revisit it? Because there's something that was, was truly great about it. Right. Um, and we could probably think of some other games they've remade. Oh yeah, absolutely. Know. I was going to say, it's like, it's not a, it's not a game, but, yeah. um, while I was away, a, a friend of mine lent me, he's, uh, who I'd love to have on the show. He's, he's an, he's an artist. He's an animator mostly is what yeah. he does, but he's an artist. And, uh, and he says to me, he's like, Hey, have you ever read any Hemingway? I was like, you know what? No, I haven't read any Hemingway and I'd love to. And he's like, well, it's like, I have the old man and the sea, which is one of, you know, his, his great sort of short stories, like it's a hundred pages or something. It's like, would you like to read? I said, sure. He brings it to me. And I read it almost all in one sitting. Wow. And I couldn't even put my finger and, and like I finished reading it and I was just like, it's like, yeah, that was good. It was different. It was good. And since I finished reading it, it's something that I'm, I've been thinking about more and more and more. And I mean, this is an, it's an old story. Mm-hmm. Like Heming, I don't know what year Hemingway wrote it, but it's an extraordinary, extraordinary tale. And it has so many, and it has all of those elements that, that we talk, talk about. It has that element of what we're talking about today in that you're really just sort of thrown into it. Like right. you're not given this setup. You're not told about all of these relationships, but you start to, to, you start to feel them almost as you're, you're going through this, this journey that this old man's having on, on, like he's just a fisherman out at sea. And there's, it's, it's, if you haven't read it, I'm not going to ruin it because it's like, I'm not going to ruin a, a classic, Yeah, but read it. Like it's okay. such an easy read and, and there's, it has so much depth and so much philosophy to it. And it's one of those stories as well, where 
like as what you're saying with the characters, you know, your the voice comes through in some of these characters and there's these moments where you're like, you know, that's where you can really sense, you know, it's like, wow, that was him like just coming out with these ideas, mm. which I think is so important. You know, it's like, it's, it, it's good to get out of your comfort zone and to take on something that maybe isn't necessarily your territory. Um, but it's, I think it's always important that you're injecting your, your ideas. Like what are like at your sort of core, what are your sort of biggest beliefs on life hmm. and finding a way to put that into your story? I mean, I feel like if you take on any kind of a story, like if you're going to go and you're going to put in the work, like you, there better be something, there better be something deep going yeah. on underneath in you that compels you to do this. And because there's an idea that you want to share yeah. as we've talked about so many times, but sometimes there's these moments where you're just like, wow, that's like, and I, I've seen it in so many different mediums where you're like, wow, that was just them. Like almost like peeking through in this little moment in here, just to be like, here's me a hundred percent just saying this. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, uh, I, I could see why most, you know, why I'm, why writers avoid doing that because it's vulnerable, you know, um, <clears throat> I show but it's necessary. I think, it is. It's, nece- it's absolutely necessary. I think it's the thing that actually makes stories great. Um, and in fact, uh, I've realized recently because, <clears throat> you know, actually one of my mentors who, who's going to be on the show, actually he said he'd be on the show next week, so we'll see if he can be here. Um, but we were talking, this was uh, last summer, and he was helping me kind of turn my writing, like kind of turn it over the edge, you know what I mean? And... Um, he said to me, he's like, you know, it's like, you got structure, dialogue's great. All this stuff is really great. He's like, but, but he's like, I just, you know, it's that emotional depth. He's like, I just want you to get more into the emotional depth. So that's been basically my mission, you know? And, and, and I thought with this one script, I thought I was being deep. And every time I look at it, I realize, man, I just, I, I'm just not bearing my soul enough, you know? And, um, so, so sorry, something that's connected, what ended up happening was, I don't know if I shared this before, but, um, a friend was over and we were looking through scripts that I had written and I, I wanted to show them this one particular script and we couldn't find it. So we were reading these old scripts that I had written and, um, and then we actually found, uh, well, we found, uh, another script and we found this script and, and when we were reading them, I was like, I remember this feeling coming up, like this feeling of like, like, you know, when your guts feel like they're almost like coming out of your mouth, you know what I mean? Um, and because the thing is, is the things we were reading were so, were so truthful. And it's probably why I abandoned them. It's probably why I stopped and stepped away. And I realized that like, this is the writing. This is the best writing, the best writing and I didn't really even know that much about writing when I wrote these scripts. It was long, long ago, but there was a truth to them. You know what I mean? And I think sometimes, um, it's easy to hide behind structure. It's easy to hide behind all this stuff, although yeah. important. Yes. It's, it's, it needs to be there. The thing is, is that it's actually like, you know, um, it's super vulnerable. The stuff that you, you put out there and the stuff you say, and like, just to, to say it, you know, um, I'm finding this, I'm finding this a lot with the novel because I find with the script, 
you can kind of hide behind plot a little bit, but with this, with a novel, well, at least I don't know how, I don't know how to hide behind plot in a novel. I, I, I let the character share their thoughts. I let the character think. And then I, as I'm doing it, I'm like, Oh, this is like, like some of my journal is spilling out onto the page. Right. right. And then the other day I was just before I was writing my novel, working on it, I was writing in my journal and I was like, this is something the character needs to say. And, and the idea, and this has happened to me many times. I think I mentioned this before, but the idea of taking this journal entry and putting it into the novel in a sense through the character's thoughts brings up that feeling. And I think that feeling is when my friend had read this script, the one where I was feeling this way, or those two that I was feeling this way, they were like, you have to make this. You just have to like, it's like, and and I was, and I had this, it just hit me. I was like, that's right. That, cause you got to expose, you know, you got to expose kind of this stuff like, uh, um, and I, I don't know, in a way, I think not knowing about stories sometimes helps you. I think, it, yeah, I think again, it holds you back in certain ways. Cause you don't know how to complete, you don't want to wrap it all up, but it does help you in a sense because there's nothing to hide behind. If you're going to be, if you're just going to go and do it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, no, I, I completely understand I completely understand what you're saying. I actually, I have a blog post. It'll probably, by the time people hear this, um, it'll be out. It'll be out. Okay. It'll be out. I've got this blog post that, uh, that I'm pretty much just in like final edits with and whatever. And just, you know, whatever, uh, maybe I'm editing blogs too much. That's another thing I've been thinking about. <laughs> it's like, it's a blog. Just write it, like put it out there. <laughs> What's um, it going to be called? By the way? Uh, it is, Oh, what is it called? <laughs> I think it, What's it about? Well, it was, it's basically, it's about, um, it's about like acting as, as art and my discovery of acting as art. That's essentially what it was. was. And so I'll I'll paraphrase a little bit of it just here. Um, but it was this thing where it was like, you know, as, as sort of well as I did, you know, like early on, like as an actor through like my training and through, you know, peers and, and friends who, who saw my work and teachers who were admirers of mine and stuff, you know, like they really loved my work. Um, but at the same time, there was a part of like, for me, I always felt like there was, I was missing something, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm kind of doing this thing. Like I'm, I'm, doing all of this stuff and, and, and I, (laughs) and I've gone and I've done all of these, like, I know how to do all this. I know how to break down a scene. I know how to, how to, you know, like find all of this stuff out and pull all this and dig all of this out. And, and I've done all these different exercises like throughout the years and all my training, like I've done all of these things. And like how there was something that I just, that there was still was just completely eluding me. And it's like what you're saying. It was, and it was a realization that it's like, I've been, I've been making everything so completely about the craft of it. So completely about the technique and, and these tools that I had been, been learning. It's like, okay, well, if I do this, 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 and this, and this, and this, and it should all, it should all just work out. Right. And, and it's, it is, it's like this thing of, of hiding behind it. Yeah right? And it's like, well, I did all my work. And then it also, it can become this excuse as well. It's like, well, I don't know why it happened. I did everything I was supposed to. And blah. it's like, yeah, but where was the heart in what you did? Where was the heart in that performance? Mm-hmm. What was, where were you personally inside all of this? 
because what you did and, and <laughs> I, I had a, uh, an acting teacher, great, uh, acting teacher, Larry McDonald. I know I've talked about Larry Silverberg, but there's a great Meisner teacher named Larry McDonald. I believe he's in Georgia somewhere, uh, teaching, teaching Meisner work. But, um, you know, I said, and I was having a similar conversation with him about this and, and actors who you see are just like, they're so technically driven in their performances. And I said, you know, and it's the, the thing is, is that it usually comes out as a very clever performance. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, Oh, that was, and same thing with screenwriting. It's like, Oh, that was a very clever screen. And then he said to me, he's like, you know, that's maybe one of the, like the biggest insults that you could ever say about an artist yeah. is that they're clever. Yeah. And it took me a while, like to really kind of grasp onto that. I was like, yeah, like I'm nodding my head. Like I, I, I feel like what you're saying is true. I just don't entirely understand how, but it is like, I've started to figure that out more. It's like, yeah, it's like, it's like clever. Like it was very clever. It's like, it means it was very cerebral. Mm-hmm. It was very, you know, congratulations. Like yeah. you, you're a very, you're a very smart person. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I think that we've intellectualized certain things that, you know, there's, uh, that, that are emotional. And I think that, you know, sometimes the emotions are irrational and you need to kind of go into the irrational side of yourself. Um, I don't know if you ever heard anyone say this to you before, and I don't know if it's a saying or what, but, um, kind of, the idea it's going to get worse before it gets better. Oh, yeah. And I think that that's, that's really true with, with acting, with writing, with art, you know, because there's the uninhibited free artists is like, I just want to paint. I just want to play music. I just want to draw. I just want to act. I want to make films or whatever. And that, if you could bottle that and focus it, you have the ultimate thing. And so I think like all these education systems, they're trying to bottle it and focus it. But the thing is, is that, you know, you lose what it's all about and it becomes about the bottle and it becomes about the focus as opposed to it's that energy that we're trying to trap. It's that, that thing that's just so uncontainable that bleeds past the lines that, that doesn't, that, that just isn't like you you can't quite grab it because the moment you try to grab it, it's out of your reach. You know, it's, it's this thing. And I think the thing is, is like, we live in a culture where we've been taught and, and I, you know, I'm maybe, I don't know, this is my opinion, but soapbox I, time, I don't want to get too much <laughs> I into can sense box it. but I, I do at the same time. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, is we want to be safe and we want to be secure and we want to be in control. You know, that's, I think everybody to some degree, we want that. We don't want to feel out of control. We don't want to feel insecure. We don't want to feel like we're not safe, that all those stuff seem like the worst thing in the world. But yet art is all about that. It's all about don't be safe. There is no security. You're not in control, you know? And and then, so like, I think like when I, and this is the thing, I think like, like my personally, just, I know this, and I think this works with every, every craft because I've been noticing with writing and I've been finding it starting to help with acting as well. But is that you know, you learn kind of the structure, you learn kind of the idea, the direction that you need to go and you kind of get that idea, right? And, and then you got to let all that go and you got to trust that now that you know it, it's there. You don't have to think about it too much. 
you gotta just let the feeling go. And I think sometimes, you know, where my writing has been the best is when I have this feeling, right? And I'm like, and I'm finding this a lot with novel writing. I'm actually finding it more than with screenwriting because I'm writing this chapter in my book, for example. This happens like almost every chapter. I just find this happens. But I'm start, I have this idea. I'm going to write this idea out. And then I'm writing it. And then all of a sudden my mind and my feelings start going like, go this way. Just go this way. Trust it. Don't think about it. Go. Yeah. And then I go. And I don't know what's happening as I'm writing it. And all of a sudden, something really amazing occurs. I... I almost like, I look at it, it feels like God speaking through you. It feels yeah. like you're in the zone. It feels like, for me, it feels like it's not even me anymore. It's like yeah. this higher level shit, you know? And so yeah. that's, that's the lack of control, you know? And I'm, I feel insecure because I'm like, you know, and insecure in a good way, like insecure as in I'm not, I don't, it's not self insecure, but it's insecure. And in like, I don't even know what to hang on to here. These are just, but yet when I write it, I'm like, this is truthful to me. And it's like, and I don't want to share anyone I don't, like this would, if I, I feel like as if I showed someone this chapter, they'd be cracking open my journal, even though it's about a different character in a different context or yeah. whatever. I feel like they'll see it all. And the thing is, I know, I know from the objective writer side of me, I know that they won't cause they won't be able to really understand how it affected me in my life. But the fact that I'm sharing the parallel with this character and we're like, I, I, I'm almost like this person, you know? And how is that different than acting or anything? I mean, it's like, it's almost like if a painter let their paintbrush kind of like take, like feel it, you know what I mean? Or you, 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 I'd imagine, and I, I don't know cause I'm not familiar, but I imagine almost if you were playing the guitar or playing some instrument and you, and you just went, I'm just going to try this thing. I know it's probably not right. I know it kind of goes against the rules and you almost hit upon something. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's kind of what it's like. I don't know if it's as vulnerable with music. I just don't have the experience, but I know with, with writing and acting, it's, it feels very like raw, you know? Yeah. Anyway. I mean, I can, yeah, I can definitely say that for music as well. Like that's definitely, I, what's true. I, this was a saying, another, we've got lots of sayings today. Um, <laughs> but you know, what's, what's true, what's true in one, one art is, is true for, for all others. Like it's like, there's just these sort of these truths that exist among all of them because it's all part of uh, a creative process and, and it really engaging with what, whatever that is. And it is uncomfortable at first because we do, we want to feel like you're saying, we want to feel like we have control, like we can wield this thing somehow. And it's not to say that we don't wield it, but we just don't wield it in the way that we, we would like to think that we do. You know, it's like, we just, like, we just will something to happen. We just go like, like we just force creation to occur. Like, it's like, I'm going to just think about this so hard and, you know, come up with like the most incredible thing. But you know, there's those moments, like you're saying, like you're, you're writing or you're, or you're acting or, or some, you know, for me also as well, like with playing an instrument, it's like, you just, you have these moments where, where you're just like, you're in this, the zone, you know, some people call it the zone. I mean, there's so many different ways. I think that when flow, flow, um, you know, I, I would say that that's like, you know, one of those moments where creativity is like, is like engaged with you, 
Like mm-hmm. this force is actually engaged with you and it's, and it's working through you and, and you're open to it and you're just kind of letting it pass through you. And it is, it's, it's like, sometimes like you'll put something down on the page or whatever will happen and you're just, and it surprises you. Mm-hmm. And when you surprise yourself in your work, I f- feel like that's like, that's an indication that you're, you're on like, you're in the right place. Yes. Like you're working in the right place. It's like, it's like, Whoa, Holy shit. I didn't even see that coming. I couldn't like, I didn't even think of that. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, suddenly you did and you have no idea where it came from. You know, it's like, and, and it's like, explain that, like, yeah. explain that, like, how, like wh- how the hell do you, do you explain that in some sort of a necessarily a logical way? You know, it's, it's interesting. Like, and I, I, I want to make it clear too to the audience, if anyone's listening, <laughs> is that I'm not against education. I'm actually very for education. I'm very for practice. I'm very mm-hmm. for discipline. I'm very for learning skills and, and craft and all that stuff. I'm actually very for that. And I think that, um, you know, you look at someone like Hemingway, you know, that's someone who is masterful at all of that stuff. But there's um, that extra element, which you know, there's many other people that are good at that. I think someone like that, you know, they're, they're letting something about themselves bleed onto the page. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, and the thing is that again, not in, not everybody likes Hemingway. No. You know, it's like as, as lauded and that's and a, as good, that's a sign years. also of a great artist yeah. is that if everybody likes you, then there's probably a problem. Yeah. If you know, cause there's no way in the world that everybody's going to like it. I mean, I remember watching the movie closer and then reading the play closer and like having all this experience with that. And I hated it. When I first saw it, I hated it. I laughed. <laughs> I felt this sick in the stomach and I hated the way they talked. I hated the vulgarity of it. I hated this, you know, I just didn't like it at all. And then it was months and months later where I was like, okay, you know what? That really, really affected me emotionally. Something got into me, got my, and then I realized that like, like how, how often does something do that? You know what I mean? And then I went back and I reviewed it and I actually really loved that play and I love that movie now because the thing is, is I realized, yeah, like I didn't like it it, because it rubbed me the wrong way. Like it rubbed me in a way that I wasn't comfortable with myself. So it actually did the perfect thing. Well, that's a movie that, that just is, it touches upon just some of the most horrible ugliness that, that is in us. Right. And I think that that's the thing, like it, it, cause it isn't like an easy thing to watch because it does it, it, it should rub you the wrong way. You know, like it really should. I, mm. I think that you're right in feeling that, but it's about, I think it's having a sense of curiosity about that, which is just like, I think what eventually comes to, but it's like, you know, these people, you're watching them just being so horrible to each other. Mm-hmm. Like, why are these people being so bad to each other? Why are they making these decisions? Why are they like, I don't want to be like that. I don't, I'm not like that. And you know, like these people are just gross, but <laughs> you know, it's, people, people are like that Yeah. at times, you know, people like this might be very, you know, it, it might be a somewhat dramatized, you know, example of, of all of this, but it's, but it's, there's a truth to it that, that is upsetting. Yeah. And it hits on, it hits on issues that we don't like to talk about, like infidelity and, uh, loyalty and love and, you know, these, these things about what does it mean 
you know, what, what does it mean to be, to be with someone and actually care about them and have it not be about more than just what you want and how you feel and all of that. Right. I mean, it's, uh, and that, you know, and people, people do this. They live these secret lives where they, you know, have cheated on their partner or whatever, and they carry this secret and they don't want to talk about it, you know, and, and they tell their friends, but they don't tell the person they're with. And like, this movie hits on all of those fears, I think, that we all have about this type of stuff, right? And so, you know, it's it's not to say that every story that's told and everything that's done is always going to be comfortable subject matter. But I think the thing is, is like, sometimes these stories just, they need to be told, you know? And um, I think uh, it, it depends where you are in your life, like how how open are you to being, to look at something? I think some people don't like stuff simply because if it's really good, it, it rubs them the wrong way. Like for the departed, I'm not going to ruin what happens to the movie if anyone hasn't seen it, but there's some, definitely some stuff that will about like, and it's opinion on the world. And it's thought about, you know, good and bad and you know, what's fair and stuff like that. And that will hit you right in the, right in the gut, you know? And a lot of people, I remember when that movie came out, I remember thinking this movie is brilliant, but I remember a lot of people going, I hated that movie. I just hated it. And this is after my closer experience, after I'd kind of had that evolution with stories, so to speak. But I realized, yeah, I can see why they don't like it because it's probably hitting them right in the gut and they don't like to think of the world as unfair or, you know, or whatever the movie suggestion. And I don't even think they're thinking about it on that level, but it made them feel enough where they go, fuck that shit. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) I've been there. I've done it. You know, it's one thing when you see a movie and you're like, this movie was really terrible. Like they, they just didn't do anything unique. It was just crap. But it's another thing when you see a movie and like, for most of it, you're like, this movie's really good. And then some things happen in it or whatever, or events occur. And you're like, I don't like this movie anymore. That's different. (laughs) Yeah. That's because you're feeling something. But I think that's where like really great art. That's why it exists, you know? Um, but yeah, someone's probably not going to like it, you know, if it's really done well, if it hits on real issues. Yeah. And you know, I think it's like you're saying, like sometimes the, like we can't just like, as an artist, you can't just pretend that, you know, these sort of things that we, that we would consider to be wrong or immoral, or I don't know, like something like these things that, that, are on the darker side of humanity, perhaps, you know, it's like to pretend that they don't exist and not put them into like, and and also I, and this is, I, I would say probably like, it's, it's another one of these issues. We like to see the dark side of humanity treated in a certain way, especially in like stuff like film and storytelling. Like we like, it's like, we like our bad guys to be so obviously bad and to not give a crap about them so that they can just be like killed or whatever and blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, what about a story like this? Like with, with closer, Mm -hmm. you know, like what about, what about that? Like, no, they're not like villains, but they're doing bad things. And we don't like to think of like, people doing bad things like as being 
normal people. Yeah, we don't like, like to we, think, we yeah. Like, it bothers us. Although Breaking Bad did a terrific job with that because they get you to care about... <laughs> that's the thing. Is that, that guy so much. You know, and, and I'm sure most people have heard this saying, the people who hurt you the most are the ones who are the closest to you. Yeah. You know? And that... That is where you got to go when you're telling a story, you know, uh, you are, you got to be willing to go there. You got to be willing to go there. I mean, look at, look at, uh, you know, look at star Wars, right? Uh, father, son, you know what I mean? Like, well, what, what's closer, you know, like friendship, betrayal, you know, the, the person you love, you know, uh, not loving you back, uh, leaving you, you know, people, people manipulating you, stuff like that. These are the things that we want to go. I hope that never happens to me in my life. And we, you know, we just want, but the thing is, is, you know, what's crazy is that you, you talk to enough people, you hear enough people's story, you start to see that they do antagonistic things. They do this shit. And then they like to pretend they don't. That's why I think we like our bad guys really bad because we don't want to, if we do it, we don't like to be like, well, I'm not that bad. I'm not fully bad. I just did a bad thing. You know what I mean? We like to kind of give ourselves a break. But, you know, in a lot of these movies, like, or stories that are really great, the, in truth, that character, whoever did this bad thing, you know, we're just framing it on all their bad stuff. We're not looking at all their life and we're not looking at why they are the way they are. I'm going to share something personal. I was at, uh, my family's there for Easter and, um, my mom was talking to, <clears throat> well, so my mom's remarried. So I have a step, stepdad and step, step family, so to speak. But she was talking and she couldn't, she didn't realize that I could overhear. And I was sitting there alone. Oh, and I was kind of playing, uh, I was playing a game on my phone or whatever, but I was kind of away from the group, which is something that I, I do more often than I like to admit, but I do spend a lot of time on my own. I like my alone time or whatever, but I remember she was talking and she was saying, you know, Brandon got left alone when he was younger. And she was saying, cause you know, his brothers were older and they were together and they did stuff together. And he was kind of the little brother. And she was kind of talking about how they were working a lot and whatever. And it, and I started to, this emotion started to come up as I was overhearing this. And I was like, it's true. I mean, I was left alone a lot. I was kind of neglected in certain ways. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, I was like, okay, well, whatever, it's fine, you know. And then I, I came home, actually on my drive home, which is like a 40-minute drive, I was thinking about this, and I wasn't upset, I was just thinking about it. I was like, you know, it's interesting, because the way I am today, you know, my kind of, uh, there's there's pluses to being left alone, in a sense, you kind of learn, it, you know, you learn how to entertain yourself, you learn how to be self-sufficient, you learn how to not need people. Um but also I realized that a lot of my struggles when I was younger was that I never felt valuable. I never felt good enough. I never felt lovable. And I never felt like I mattered or I was noticed. And I remember, and I was, so I journaled on this afterwards. I was like, I just want to, I want to delve into this. I'm feeling something. I want to look into that a little deeper. And I, I was thinking, yeah, you know, it's interesting because when I was younger, I wanted to be famous so badly. I want it to be this huge success. And in fact, every career option I looked at really was some way to be noticed, to be important. 
And I don't know if I would say that I got into acting and filmmaking. I mean, I did love that, but I think I got into it a little bit more like, yeah, if I get into this, if I do this and I'm famous and I'm successful and people notice me, then I'll be important. And I remember when I was younger, like in my teens, early twenties. And I remember people would be like, yeah, I remember you from this. And I would be surprised. I would be like, really? Someone remembered me. It just actually baffled me because I didn't think that people remembered me. I didn't think I mattered. I actually, and I, I was just writing about this and I was like, yeah, I didn't think I, I was noticed. And so it, you know, over my twenties, I started to realize, wow, people notice me, like whether I'm famous or not, whether I succeed or not, people notice me. And like where I'm at now, I realize, oh, obviously I'm important. If I show up, it matters. If I don't, it, you know, people notice. Yeah. Um, and that's a big transition, but I think like there's these things, right? Like where, um, choices that I made, like, for example, my oldest brother is very charismatic. You know, he's very social. He's very out there. He likes to keep everyone included, like bring everyone in. And I can kind of try on that role. But sometimes I like to just step away from the whole group and be on my own. And that used to really upset him. He'd be like, what are you doing? Like, why are you standing off on your own? Like, you know, and he get upset at me because he, he took it as like, I thought I was better than everybody, but it's because when I was younger, I didn't feel included. And I felt like it didn't matter if I was a part of the group or not, because when I was a kid, that's kind of how things were. The adults hung out. Right. And you know, I was there on my own. And yeah. if I had a friend who was my age, I, I hung out with them maybe, but you know, but I always felt kind of like an outsider. And it's interesting because, you know, you start to put all this together and like certain decisions I made growing up were part to do with that view that I had of the world. My point here is that everybody has a story, whether it was like that or whether they're included or whatever. And the decisions they made were partly based on the experiences they had as a kid, good or bad they were doing the best they could. But we like to make movies about this person's just a bad seed. They're just born bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, I probably did things that maybe upset people, but maybe I was just doing them because, you know, I was a kid of neglect in certain ways. So for me, you know, maybe not calling someone or not doing something wasn't that I didn't care. It's just that I didn't think it mattered to them if I did or not. You know, now I try to make sure I make an effort to call people but you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I, I'm just giving a crazy, yeah, no. you know, whatever. And, and, and I, thanks for sharing that. Like, that's, that's like you, as you're talking, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about my own life and, <laughs> and stuff, which is, which is great. I mean, that's this, like, that's kind of what you want to do in your work as well. Like you want to tell stuff that that's, that's, per, it's that personal. It makes people think about their own, their own lives, you know, and, well, and let me how they felt. Let me tell you one thing before you go on, because I was thinking about a mutual friend of ours and this person makes their friends really, really important. And if their friends are not there for them, they get really upset. And I was thinking about this person and I was like, I really connect with that. I actually feel a lot like that too. And I was like, why is that for me? because I didn't have a lot of people around, my friends were like my family. So if they weren't there for me, it really hurt me. Whereas some people I think had, you know, a lot of family around them, a lot of whatever, a lot of support. So a friend, if a friend was gone for a little bit or a friend was there, it didn't really make a difference to them. But I think where, when you're this particular person who's a mutual friend of ours, I was thinking like, yeah, this person was quite neglected too, from what I understand when they were younger. No wonder their friends are so important to them and they, it's such a, an offense to them if their friends aren't there for them. I was thinking, yeah, like 
I've had that same experience, but I mean, it's not, it's not actually the truth because everybody sees it their own way. Yeah. But that's the thing is that we don't realize that like, sometimes I think we see the world one way, someone else sees it another way. And then we make the other person wrong because we don't understand yeah. where they came from and they don't understand us. And sometimes because we don't even want to understand, right. you know, and there's, and then that's telling in its own, that, that has its own story. Right. You know, because it's funny because as you're saying that, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, I'm, this isn't myself thinking this, but I'm like, you know, how many times have you heard those, you know, heard people say things like, well, they just need to, to grow up, you know, like they need to <laughs> stop being such a baby about stuff or they need to, you know, blah, 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 blah. Like there's this voice. It's like, okay, so what's the story that, that like, like you are, you don't have a whole lot of compassion for others. So like, so what, so like, you probably don't have a lot of compassion for yourself either. Right. Where it's that story. Right. Yeah. And there's a story behind that too. Right. It's just, it's crazy how, how these things go unchecked yeah. and unnoticed and, and they, and they create all of these miscommunications, these misperceptions of everything. And, and it's, um, yeah, I, it's, it's quite something. And I think story brings that out of us. I think that's why we get uncomfortable because like, I think that we like to see ourselves as the protagonist. We like to see ourselves as the hero, the good guy, the whatever. But, um, sometimes, and probably more often than not, I think we're, we're all a lot closer to the antagonist. And the reason why I think that is because if you look at, if you look at people getting comfortable, like people kind of settling into life, if you settle into life and you stop pushing yourself, you're kind of like plateauing. You're in a flat line, right? If you, if you know anything about the hero's journey, the hero's arc, the hero is is moving on an upward. They're, they're not, it's not comfortable. Like heroes don't live like protagonists of stories don't live on a comfortable life. Um, but antagonists live very comfortably. Usually they're the ones who have had the money, the success, the power, the whatever, and they're exploiting it somehow. Whereas usually the hero, even if they're a superhero, it doesn't really matter. They're always an underdog in some way. They're always trying to do something in the world. They're facing some type of adversity. And so I think that we don't like to see ourselves as antagonists. I think we watch a movie and we like to see ourselves as the protagonist and we like to almost make worse antagonists than us so that we can justify our antagonism. Yeah. But in truth, you know, I think is good quote, quote unquote people that we are, we're way more antagonists than we like to admit. Mm -hmm. Some of these movies, some of these plays, some of these stories that novels that get into it, sometimes they bring up our stuff about, Hey, like maybe I'm, maybe I need to check myself a little bit, you know? Yeah. And, and it's like, I I know one of Pixar's sort of their rules of, of storytelling is like, don't make your character too passive. Don't make them too, like, don't make your, your protagonist neutral. Like it's, it's, it's a little bit too boring. You know, it was one of these, uh, it's funny in this, um, last, uh, in the script that I'm, that I'm redrafting and stuff now, the, uh, the lovers one that I've talked about. Yeah. Uh, it was funny because there was parts that I was writing in it and, and I'm, I'm going to flush that out in ways. It's going to be interesting how I, I don't know. Cause I don't know how I'm going to end up playing with this. Right. But there was a point like, and it occurred to me in the first draft, actually, there's, I, I got to a point and I went, 
wow, like, like one of my lead characters, one of my protagonists, I was like, geez, he's a bit of a prick. Like he's like really like at the start and it, it will probably end up working for the story because like at, at first he's, you know, everything seems like, wow, these people are kind of like, they're perfect. They're whatever. <laughs> and then like, as this sort of this dark side gets exposed, you're just like, whoa, like, is he too much of an asshole now? <laughs> like, is he too, have I made him too like, like, are people going to dislike him so much? Hmm. Right. And you know, maybe that's a risk I'll have to run. You know, I, I don't know. I haven't, you know, reached the place that I want to with it. Yeah. But, um, it is, it is so, so interesting to, to find that. And I'm, it's actually something that I'm excited about that. I'm just like, Oh wow. All right. Here's my lead. Who's just like, who might not be very likable. Like, in fact, he might be just like downright dislikable in some of these scenes. Like mm. you just will be like, why are you such an ass? Mm. And on the flip side, the other protagonist, it's just like, you're just like, Oh, like why do you have to be like this? You know, like it's just, and, and then it's like this whole thing of like, why do both of you have to be like this? This is ridiculous. Um, but I, I think it's, it's so important. Don't make your, your, your protagonist perfect. No, you know, like make them, make them flawed. It's it. And it's a balancing, it's a balancing act. You know, like there were, uh, we had a, a read through of a script with a friend of ours recently. And, you know, one of the, one of the, the things that was discussed was like, you know, how this character, were they, were they too dislikable or were they too likable now or this and that? And it's like, and how does that, you know, ultimately how does it fit with, with the whole overarching story in terms of what you're trying to say Mm -hmm. within it? Well, yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting, right? I mean, uh, I think like, likability is, is such a misunderstood concept too in stories because likable doesn't mean nice. I think that's the problem. I think a lot of people think like, Oh, the person, you know, make them nice. It's like, no, nice is like a a shitty quality. If someone called me a nice guy, I'd be like, like, (laughs) you know, I I would actually take offense to that because nice guys, like I'm not a nice guy. I'm kind. Maybe that's what you mean. You know? But you know what? I'm also a jerk in some ways. Sometimes I'm a little bit brash. I'm bold. You know what? Also, um, I don't, you know, I don't really like taking shit. You know, some people might look at that and say, you're an asshole. You're a jerk. Yeah. So like, but some people might really respect that. I think likable is not about nice. I think nice is the furthest thing from it. It's about like, are they respectable? You know, are they someone who you know, has a certain kind of integrity or are they someone who I can relate to? Are they someone who I can connect with? Not someone that I want to like, that's just nice. Yeah, no, as you're, (laughs) as you were talking, I was just like the, and and you said it, the word that I was coming, coming to me was like, do you connect with them? Yeah. Like that's, that's because yeah, like, you know, you can think of like a, any number of shows or, or films or whatever, or like this character, I'm sure books, I'm, I'm not that necessarily well read where something immediately comes to mind. Well, I guess I have probably even a few books I can think of now that are suddenly popping into my head, but <laughs> it's like, you know, these characters that it's like, you know, they're like, especially like a dark comedy of some kind or whatever. It's like, you know, these people, they're not really like, they're not nice people. 
No. They're not great, but you connect to them. And I think sometimes that's what really bought what's actually bought whether we are aware of it or not, but it's actually because we connect to a certain part of it that we're that we dislike it so much, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like we're seeing, you know, the mirror being held up against us. I mean, that's that's one of the also the another one of the sayings of art that's been around. It's like it's it's like to hold a mirror against the, to to society. Yeah. Right? It's like, here, take a look at yourself. Yeah. You know, but we like to think that, you know, sometimes we, we lose sight of, of that within these mediums. You know, we don't actually look for what's being said underneath it and in between the lines. It's just like, it's like, yeah, you don't like this. Well, you're actually, you're actually probably a lot like that yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe that's yeah, why it's, like it, yeah. it's so uncomfortable for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing to touch on. You know, I was thinking about, I always talk about it in scripts. I mean, it's, uh, make your character likable, but you know, I think I might actually start talking about it as make your character connectable. I just, it's important to, it's important to connect with the character. Like you want to, you want to feel like, yeah, I, you know, when I meet somebody new, I connect with them, you know, I can say that I like them, but like is, like is to say they are alike. They are alike me. That's why I like them, you know? So it's, you know, um, I think the thing is too, is there's, there's people who are alike us or there's people who we would like to be like. Mm. And I think if we're really, I can relate to these in both ways. You know, there's areas in my life where, where I go, you know, I like this person because they resemble the same kind of values I have. They, they see the world in a similar way that I do. I like them, but there's also people, I like them because I look at them, do something and I go, I want to do that. I want to be like that. I want to, you know, that to me is, is, is inspiring. And I think that, um, if we haven't as a writer, you know, or a creator, you know, you look at a character, you go, well, maybe I haven't built these qualities yet, but this is who I would like to be like. Do I want to be a nicer guy? No. In fact, I would actually prefer to not be nicer. I would practice less nice. I wish I was less nice because niceness is something that has only worked against me in my life. You know, niceness is people are causing shit and I'm like, eh, I don't want to rock the boat. That's nice. Yeah. You know, kind is, you know what? I don't like what you're doing but I understand that you're, you know, you're probably having a struggle. There's probably some reason why this is happening. So I'm not going to make you bad for what you're doing, but stop it. You know what I mean? And there's a way to do that in a kind way, but nice is like, I'm just not going to say anything because you know, I just want to let them be, you know what I mean? It's like, it's a totally different thing. And I, I think nice is, is like a disease. You know, there's a saying nice guys finish last is absolutely true. Nice guys are passive. Nice guys. You know, when I, when I catch myself being nice, I'm like weak, weak quality, weak infection. You know what I mean? And and there's something to me about the word nice as well. There's like certain, I have a certain sort of association connotations around nice as being something that's kind of false too. Yeah, it is. You know, there is like nice is a front. Nice is a falseness. Like no, like no, cause yeah, like nobody's just nice. You know, it's like, that's that, like, that's like such a ridiculous blanket statement <laughs> to make about somebody. And it's, and it's completely unrealistic. Nobody is just nice all of the time, you no. know, like, yeah. you know, people show kindness, yeah. you know, but yeah, sometimes, and yeah, like when, yeah, 
I, I really like what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, but, nice is but, nice is one of those things, you know. And you know that saying, like, uh, you know, I think uh, I don't know. Uh, I get onto this topic, I, I do every now and then. But for women, you know, like women are always told to be nice when they're young, and I, I know a lot of actresses struggle with this, you know. And then, you know, some teachers take on helping them kind of come out of their shell and not not need to be so nice. It's not about it's not about being a and I think this is like, as a guy too, it's the same way, but it's not about being like a bitch or a jerk or about being cruel. It's not about that. It's about stop letting everybody get away with shit that you're not okay with. Speak your truth. Like yeah. the way you said niceness is a front. I, that's what I think of it. When I'm nice, I'm not being truthful. I'm not actually talking about what I really think and how I really feel. Cause I want to be nice. I don't want to rock yeah. the boat. You know, uh, I don't think, I don't like it when people are nice. I like it when people are real. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that deep down we respect real a lot more. Like nice is something I think that people say they want, but they don't really want. Yeah. Because I think that we, uh, you know, unless we want to manipulate someone, right? Unless we want them to not interrupt us from doing a bad thing, we want them to be nice. Right. But it's like, if you're not okay with that, you got to stand up about it. And is, is the person you're standing up to or the people watching you going to see that as nice? It doesn't always look nice. It doesn't always yeah. seem nice, you know, like sugar and spice. No. <laughs> Someone had to do it. Oh. So look up, look up George Christ. Just made me think of George Carlin. He has a whole bit of nut on nice mm. and the word nice and how much he hates it. Yeah. So let him finish off this conversation yeah, for you. Just YouTube it. But, um, yeah, it's a, and uh, Meisner actually famously said, fuck nice, yeah. you know, to his students. And there's so many, and yeah, there's so much, you know, a lot of people, I think it was misinterpreted as well. Like a lot of, I've heard it used people like, oh, like it means be, be like, be a dick, be angry and, and no, blah, blah. it's like, that has nothing to do, do with it. And like nice just means that like, you're not, you're not being truthful. You're not, you're not being completely honest you know, cause nothing's just all, you know, peachy keen and rosy all the time. No. <laughs> it's like, so let's be honest about that. Like stop being nice and just, yeah, speak your truth. Yeah. Let it, let it out. Well, I think this is a good topic because I think this is where, um, I think this is where art flourishes. When you stop trying to be nice, you stop trying to not rock the boat and you start saying what you, what you really think and what you really feel and let it kind of out there. And, uh, you know, um, and, and I think that, you know, I think nice gets this, gets this bad rap, you know, like it's, um, it's like, well, if you're not nice, you're cruel or you're mean. And, and those aren't the opposites. I think that, that that's the most important thing. Like when you're, when you're talking about your character being a jerk, here's the thing. He might do something that's kind of like, seems like he's being a jerk, right? But here's the question, really. Is he standing up for a value that's important to him? Is he doing something that he believes is right in the world? Is he, like, not allowing some shit to be pulled? You know what? People might not like him for that in the story. But you know what? In a way, he's going to be the biggest hero. So I think, like, is it, if someone's being cruel, they're being careless, they're being uh, destructive to someone else, that's not really respectable. It's not nice, but it's not even the opposite to nice. You know what I mean? I think like 
You know what? Okay, here's the thing that I don't like about nice. I don't like it when someone's being nice to me and really there something else is going on. You ever talk to someone and they're being nice to you and oh, you yeah. know that there's some shit going on? You know that like you can look in their eyes and you know that it's bullshit and you're like I'm almost like fuck you. You know what? <laughs> fuck you for being nice. Why don't you just be honest and say to my face whatever it is that's going on instead of the shit that's going around cuz you know uh uh, you know, I'll tell you one thing. If you stand up into a leadership position, do this anywhere in your life. Uh, I have a friend who was in a band, for example, and her, their band was talking behind their back and all this other stuff. Stand up and they were producing and they were getting the thing going on tour or whatever. Stand up and you will be a target sometimes. So if you promote the whole thing of like nice you're basically promoting the whole idea of lie, right? I say, I don't care if you're nice or not. Like, let's not be political. Let's just be like, hey, what's really going on? Let's get to the bottom of it and let's move on. And you know what? If we don't work together too well, whatever. And you know what? I, I'm just as guilty as the next person of being nice. Yeah. It's something that's, it's something that's a big thing in my life that I want to make sure that I correct and I am correcting. Yeah. But I've done it. And I, and I think it's like the most antagonistic thing you can do. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it, it is, it's, uh, it's, you know, it can't like, not necessarily that it is like always, you know, like it's, but nice is very often, a a, a cover for not being, you know, for not being honest, you know, we use it. It's a great excuse to not be honest with somebody, you know, that we tell ourselves, you know, it's yeah. just like, Oh, well, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't want to be, I don't want to upset them. You know, I didn't want to blah, 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 blah. So I was just nice. I was the nice one. Yeah. I was the nice one. It's like, and man, <laughs> like, I, it's weird. Like, I'm just like, Whoa. yeah, I'm so guilty of that, you know? And it's always blown up in my face. Like at some point it blows up in your face where it's just like, you were nice. Like you, you were nice with somebody until next thing, you know, like <laughs> bullets were flying and fists were flying and not necessarily literally, but <laughs> sometimes literally, <laughs> sometimes literally where you're just like, everybody was nice while things were just like sinking into the toilet mm-hmm. and everyone was too busy being nice to address, you know, the elephant in the room, right? <laughs> as it were. So I, you know, why I'm think- couldn't everybody in closer just be nice? <laughs> Yeah, then everybody could just lie about everything. Actually, you know really what? I want to watch that again because I actually think that a lot of the problems in that movie was because everyone was just trying to be nice. Yeah. Like all this crap was going on and there was all this like ridiculousness, all these fronts, all this garbage that was going on. And then it was all about them starting to get honest with each other. Yeah. It's interesting, you know, uh, about how we live in a culture where we're, we're willing to trade in the lie for the truth. I mean, uh, in some ways we're like, we want people to be nice. I mean, we want people to be nice because being nice, people don't call us out on our shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like in a person that's not nice, sometimes you go, that person is not nice. They're like, um, you were late. You said you'd be here at six o'clock and it's six fifteen that's not nice, but you know what? That's legit. That's the truth. You said you'd be there at six. Well, it's all traffic, all this, all whatever. But it's like, well, if I don't say anything and I'm nice about it, then this behavior is fine. It's like saying, okay, no problem. But you know what? 
maybe it is a problem. Maybe that 15 minutes of waiting around, I didn't necessarily want to do. And granted, I've been the person who's been late. I'm not saying that yeah. I haven't been, but when the person doesn't call me out and they're nice about it, they don't help me and they don't help themselves, you know, but in some ways I might go, Oh, they're real nice. They're really cool. You know, it's like, cool. There's another word I don't like. <laughs> you know, like, what is cool? Like cool is just another kind of like cover for the truth. You know what I mean? I think as artists, if we really like appreciate our lives and we appreciate our craft and our art or whatever, we need to abandon things about being cool, being liked and being nice. Like it's, I think these <laughs> words, I think these words are all traps because when I think about it and, and I, I'm just sharing from my own experience, but when I think about the writing, that's my best. What am I scared of? I'm scared of people won't like it. They won't like me. They won't, uh, it's not nice. Some of the stuff I write is, you know, it's, 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 um, it's bold. It's out there. It's, it's, uh, you know, and I think about the stuff that I really like when I read it and the stuff that I think is the best is it's not all, you know, I think about a lot of like American cinema versus Canadian cinema. A lot of American cinema, I think is more successful because it's changing, but it's always been that Canadian films are real nice, you know, Mm. but like American films, kind of the characters are like, like if you look at like Chinatown or you look at these movies that were like really great, they're kind of jerks. You know what I mean? They're quote unquote jerks, but they're not trying to get everyone to like them. You know what I mean? And I think that sometimes, um, Canadian films, and I'm guilty of this as much as anybody is sometimes I think we write stuff where we're, we're, you know, the nice Canadian, you know what I mean? And, uh, in truth, I think there's a lot, like the most successful Canadians in the world are usually not, I wouldn't call them nice. I call them respectable. I call them honest. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, I think this pairs into a lot of what we're talking about, you know, with, uh, story and being vulnerable enough to, to tell. Right. And you know, it's, it's funny because like this, I don't like wherever the word cool originated from, you know, it's like, because there are stuff like, I, I know that there are times when I use cool as in, you know, it's just almost a throwaway word, you know, yeah. it's like, all right, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. And it's like, it's there, but then there's times like when like, I really use it. I'm like, man, that was really cool. Mm. Like, and it's like, and it actually has some weight to it. There's something right. to it. It's, and it's usually because there was actually something else behind it. Like if, you know, sometimes it, it's funny because like people think like, if you think of the icons of cool, you know, like the people who sort of embody this whole thing and then everything becomes a, a parody of that. And people lose what was great. Like people thought like James Dean, you know, James Dean was like, you know, everyone was like, man, that guy was cool. It's like, well, you know, it wasn't James Dean wasn't cool because, you know, like he wore his sunglasses and he had the cigarette hanging, (laughs) hanging out of his mouth. It's like James Dean was, was legitimately cool because he was just so authentic to himself. Like he was just like, like he just wore it all out there. Like he just like did not give a fuck. (laughs) Like it was just like, this is me and I'm going to say what I'm going to say and I'm going to be what I'm going to be. Yeah. You know, and people were just like, wow. And then 
like it gets stripped down to it's like oh well okay well you know he wore these sunglasses and he had his hair this way and he, yes and he wore his jacket and he kind of had a cigarette hanging from his mouth <laughs> it's just it's like you know that's not what made him cool right yeah <laughs> like that's you know it's you like just hit on something though I mean I think that's that is the problem with everything you know in the medium these days is that we see something that is legitimately cool. We try to break it down. We go, oh, we wore a leather jacket or a red jacket. He wore sunglasses. He wore the white t-shirt. He hung on on his own. He did this thing. That's what cool is. Now everybody does that thing that's cool now. And, and they copy the authenticity. And then all of a sudden it's not authentic, but it becomes kind of this status quo, this acceptance thing. If you do the cool thing, you can be a part of the cool group and whatever. Yeah. But if you look at James Dean, as ironic, ironic as it is, as people call him cool and they call him one of the coolest, you know, icons in history, he hung out a lot on his own. He, uh, he did his own thing. He was a weird guy actually. Yeah. Um, you know, he was also bisexual apparently. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a lot of things about him that quote unquote today are not very cool, but they like, it's like culture takes this thing. And I don't know how it happens. I mean, there's probably people who break down this stuff and actually figure out how these things unfold through media and whatever, but people take the image and then they paste the image over their authentic self and they go, well, if I just do this, you know, I'll get those same results. And then it's just a carbon copy, carbon copy, and it gets combined with other things, with wrapper image, with, you know, whatever, uh, other image and, and whatever. And it kind yeah. of comes together. And then all of a sudden, you know, that's what cool is. Right. Whereas, um, I think as an artist, like cool is like, no, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. This yeah. is what I'm doing. And you know, the thing about James Dean also, um, you know, he's someone who I find pretty interesting and, you know, there's the, what I admire most about him is was he was someone that was willing, very willing to not be liked to do what he felt was right in acting, you know, yeah. same with Brando. These are a couple of guys who yeah. I, I feel like, man, like if there's anything that I want to direct my career towards more is about holding more true to my integrity. Those, t- those were two guys who were really like, I mean, you could arguably say that Dean copied Brando a little bit, which kind of took away from his authenticity. I don't know. But, but bottom line, if you look at how they behaved on set, certain things they did, certain things they stood for, it was very much about, no, this is, I, I have this thing that I want to do. You know, when people write about them, when they talk about them, it's, it tends to be that they had this thing that they really believed in. And then everything else is kind of a carbon copy of this, right? Whereas someone else might come along and do it their own way, like Meryl Streep or whatever you name someone else, right? They do it their own way or uh, maybe name another guy, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. They do it their own way. It's not the same. It's totally different, but it's authentically true for them, right? Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's who they are. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, you know, like we don't need another one of these people. We need, we need you. Yes. You know, and Stanislavski also, he said famously, you know, to his like students in his theater company, he said, he's like, you are more interesting than the greatest actor who ever lived. You know, like it was, and it was just a lesson in like, you know, you like bring, bring you, mm-hmm. bring you. And I think that that is sometimes such an uncomfortable thing to do because we're like, well, what is that? 
you know, like it, it does force you to be like, well, like, you know, that big question of like, who am I? Mm-hmm. What am I? Like, what am I actually? And, and, but it's, it's, it's like the most important thing that you'll ever do in your life mm-hmm. is to explore that, you know, but it is scary because it's like, once you strip away, it's like all of the, all of the commercials and the <laughs> ads and the banners and the you know, the crap that we're fed, you know, that's just constantly like, like entering our brains all around us of like what we should be, mm-hmm. you know, all of this stuff, which again, it's all of that is, is kind of all the, what we've been talking about here. It's just like somebody stripped down this, like somebody who was truly just original, you know, of themselves. And they've been like, Oh, okay, well, we're going to market this and like, you know, make this the thing and sell it to you now. Yeah. Except now it's not original. (laughs) I think you hit on the, 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 almost the most important point of all of this is when you say, be yourself, who, who is that? Exactly. Exactly. Who is it? You don't know. We don't know because you've never done it. So no one knows. That's why it's so fascinating. And that's why it's if so important that you do it. If we knew what it was, it would not be fascinating. I mean, that's the crazy thing. If you already know what it is and you know how it's going to play out, it doesn't matter anymore. Like, if we talked about a movie and we'd said, okay, well, this is how it all plays out. This is exactly what happens. And you've never seen it. In a sense, like, and like, if you always know it's going to be that way, it, it becomes it becomes like nothing, nothing new. But when you get to experience it, right. And I think this is the thing about authenticity and truth, which is interesting. Cause I mean, this is really the whole point of this whole podcast is like, this is what we've been trying to get down to is that it is an unknown. I mean, that that's the thing. And it's for you to dig up and explore. And I think that I don't, I mean, personally, I don't think that we can be unaffected by the media. And I don't think we can be unaffected by the images and things that people put forward about how you're supposed to dress, who you're supposed to be, whatever. But I think we can take from that and we can take lessons from that and kind of go, okay, well, I mean, this is just at least my opinion at this moment, but it seems to me we can take lessons from that. We can go, okay, you know, that looks good. Like the way that person dressed looks good to me. I, I actually, I like that. Or, um, you know, the way they answered that question was honest or whatever. And I can respect that. You don't have to answer it the same way, but you get the essence of what, you know, what they're doing, right? Like, for example, um, fashion industry, it's an art because they, if any, uh, I mean, if anybody knows anything about fashion, there's certain, for example, dresses or coats or pants or whatever that shape your body, or there's ways to cut your hair that will better suit your face, right? That will better shoot your hairline. So it's good to be aware of that but not to necessarily copy the haircut of someone else, but to go, okay, I understand what kind of haircuts would work with my hairline, for example. Yeah. That's just intelligent. But, but I think like, oh, you know, Justin Bieber wears this haircut. So every dude should wear this haircut or whatever. Like that's just copying. Whereas it's like, okay, well, you know, that, that you can recognize that type of haircut looks good. Yeah. Whatever. I don't need to do it so I can be like this person. Yeah. And I mean, it's, and, and sometimes following, so following fads, like not necessarily like, I, I don't mean following fads as in like, you know, you actually participate in them, but just following them and seeing like what, tr- like different trends over the years. Because like when you look, be- it's what's fascinating is when you look behind them, 
So when you look behind the trends and be like, because it is a reflection of some kind on like the sort of like the, the place of like a, a good populace, like a general idea of like what, what's going on in the world. Like, you know, when you look at the, at the, like the seventies, you know, it's like when guys had like, were growing out long hair, you know, and like facial hair and stuff like that. Like that was, that was a fad and like the, you know, the bell bottoms and you know, like all of that kind of stuff. Well, it's that, that came out of a certain kind of a movement Mm -hmm. that was going on at the time. Right. It was like a sort of an, in, it was an anti-establishment kind of a thing, right? Like from, you know, the, their parents' generation where it was like very clean cuts and this and that. And it was like, this was, it, it started out as like, a some sort of a statement. And then, you know, in the eighties, you know, <laughs> you know, you saw these, like these hair bands as they called them. It's like, because all of their, those bands had long hairs in the seventies. So they thought, Oh, let's grow out long hair. Like those guys did. And we'll make rock and roll music. And it's like, well, it's not, you missed the point again. Yeah. <laughs> but we're talking about this. Like, that's not what it was about. Right. Find you. Yeah. Find you. I think, you know, I, I also think like, I mean, <clears throat> there's, there's an awareness about what's going on in the world around you. Like, you know, there's, uh, um, I don't know. It's an, it's an interesting, I mean, you, you want to acknowledge like what are, what are trends, what's going on, whatever. Um, you know, if you walked around wearing seventies attire today, I mean, you would stand out. It would look like you walked out of the seventies. You know what I mean? If you wore stuff like, you know, I mean, there's, just certain things. There's certain things about style, right? Where you, you know, if you were, you know, it might be received a certain way. And I I think that it's not, it's not necessarily that it's a problem that you're wearing it or not. It's, it's, it's the, the reason, right? Like, am I going against what everyone wears just so I can defy what everyone wears? Or am I wearing what everyone else wears so I can fit in? You know, part of it is like, you know, what, like, and I think this is a really hard thing because I think we're so influenced, you know what I mean? Yeah. But to try and like find yourself to find your own voice is to, is to maybe not go like, I'm not going to do this to defy everybody. And I'm not going to do this to fit in with everybody. I'm going to do this thing because there's something that for me, I connect to why I want to, why I want to do this. You know what I mean? And everything we buy, everything we wear, everything we do is kind of a a choice we make that represent us. But instead of doing it to fit in or doing it to defy, I think we got to just do it from a place of like, okay, this is what I want to do. How does what I want to do fit in the context of what's going on around me? I think it's like that as an actor, you know, you got a script that's written and you, and you get this feeling inside you go, I want to do this. And then you go, okay, within the context of the story, does what I want to do, does that fit? Does it work? Can it work? You know, um, uh, for example, I'll just give you a crazy example. Like before I knew a lot about acting, uh, I feel like there's certain ways in which I took more chances. You know, I think it's sometimes the craft minimizes you, but I, I did this film and there's this character who had, uh, played this character, a dissociative disorder which was basically, um, it's like split personality. When something really traumatic happens in in their life, they dissociate themselves from the moment and they actually consciously go somewhere else 
least this is the theory in psychology. Right. And then they have almost another personality come forward, or at least they're the same person, but they don't remember what's happening because they're so disconnected from it. Right. They say this happens a lot to people who experienced a lot of trauma when they were younger as children. Right. So they dissociated. Like if their parents were beating them all the time, because instead of experiencing the pain, which they couldn't handle as a kid, they dissociate from the moment and they'd actually almost disconnect from their body, take the beating. They wouldn't really feel it and they wouldn't even really remember what would happen, but then they'd wake up almost into consciousness again. It, it seemed like they were awake yeah. and they would just wake up with bruises and pains, but whatever, right? Or right. sexual assault, things like that. So anyway, for this person with their dissociative disorder, I decided when I was playing this character that I would have them, I just had this idea that, I don't know, it wasn't even like a choice. I don't even look at it that way. I just look at it like, maybe they talk about their thoughts when they're dissociating. Like maybe they speak aloud some of their thoughts that they're having. Right. And it wasn't written in the script and I just started doing it. And the director and the, and everybody was like, Whoa, they were like, this is great. They could have said, no, don't do that. It doesn't work. But I tried it out and it worked. And I think it really played well in the script. You know what I mean? Um, but I think that the, the point of the matter is, is that it wasn't because I was trying to do it to be cool. It wasn't because I was trying to do it because I thought that's what I should do. Trying to impress people. Exactly. It, it just, turned yeah. out to impress people. It could have not, but, but just because it was a way to play the thing, you know what I mean? And, and so I think like, that's kind of almost how we got to do it. You know, you got to do it not because it's, it's about getting anything from the external world, but like looking at, I don't know, this is, this is what I want to do right now. Like, for example, in this novel I'm writing, there's a scene where he, a whole chapter, there's one whole chapter, and it's probably going to stay in the book, I think, where he sits on a bench, the whole chapter, and he just thinks about what's happened in this last little bit, this crazy thing. Yeah. And he just has thoughts. He's just sitting on a bench the whole time. He doesn't move, doesn't do anything. And I was like, when I was writing, I'm like, I don't know. I just feel like we just need to sit here and think about this stuff. I think that's what he would do. But I'm like, it's a novel, so why not? You know. And then when it was done, I was like, this is really crazy. I just wrote a chapter where nothing happens except everything happens. Like, I was yeah. like, but it wasn't because I was like, it would be so great to write a chapter where a guy sits on a bench and just thinks. Cause I saw that in this novel. <laughs> yeah. No. Cause yeah. Because then <laughs> if you did that, it would be contrived. Yes. So, so yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's such a, you know, it's such a, a tricky little bitch sometimes. <laughs> the creative process, you know, it's like, because everybody wants it, everybody wants to strike gold and, and everybody's trying to, to, you know, like force, force this thing open, you know? And it's just like, that's, you know, as the more I'm learning, the, the more I I realize that's just not, that's just not how, how it goes. You know, it's like, you can't force, you can't force creativity to happen. Like you've got to be it's, you've got to surrender to it and you've got to be open to it, you know, and you've got to be listening. Yeah. You've got to be paying attention to when, to when it speaks to you. Because like, you know, as soon as you start going down that, that path of, of just like, okay, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And when I'm doing, do this. And like, you know, as soon as you, you know, you start that, then you're, you're starting to become clever you're starting to do that clever thing yeah. where it's just like, yeah, but where did that come from? Mm-hmm. You know, it all came from your head, you know, it all it's, and if it comes from your head, it was just, that was, you know, when, when my mentor Larry said that, 
to us. Like it just, it's been burned and emblazed <laughs> into my brain etched forever. Where he's like, if, if it comes from your head, then it has to be contrived. There's no way it isn't contrived. If it comes from your head, if you've, if you've consciously just like, like manipulate and you thought this whole thing out and that's what you've decided to do, like in your painting, in your music, in your whatever, it's like, well, where's the feeling? Where's the, where's the emotion? Where's that ephemeral something Mm. about our humanity in all of this? It's not there. You know, we've talked about ego so much. That's really what it is. It's the ego saying, it's like, okay, I'm going to do this and this, and it's going to be cool. Yeah. It's going to be super cool. I'm going to do this because, you know, I've seen this done here before and I've seen this done here before and I've seen done this. So I'll just do all of those things. And now like, (laughs) it's like, and everyone will love it. And then everyone goes like, I've seen all that before. Yeah. And then the ego's like, what? No. Like, like, okay, no, I can fix this. I can fix this. I can fix this. Yes. And it's like, no, you can't because you need to go away. (laughs) (laughs) The ego needs to go away. You need to go away. Yeah. So that something else, like the, like something that's true and real and authentic to me can actually come out and do something and express itself. Right. And then people will go, cool. (laughs) Like (laughs) really actually cool. Yeah. No, totally, man. Uh, You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about as you were talking about that is like, as an actor, more so, do you need to not think it out? Because someone's already thought it out. I mean, people have already thought out, you know, so much of the structure. They've already done all that stuff. You don't need to... What you need to do is you need to you need to ride that roller coaster as fully as possible so we can experience what someone's already thought out, in a sense. Because I was thinking about writing, and I was like, well it's definitely true for, for acting. Like if you're thinking it's contrived, but in, in writing, I don't know if it's quite the same because in certain ways, if you don't structure, um, you're kind of setting yourself up for a disaster. You need to, you need to have some structure in place. You need to have some thought, but the thing is it doesn't have to necessarily end up that way, but you have to have a plan. It's like, cause when you write a script, it's kind of like a goal, right? It's like, yeah. uh, especially a feature, like, you know, unless you write the thing in a day, but it's still like a goal. It's like, I got to get from here to here. Like, it's like, if I had a goal, it's like, how do I get from where I am to where I want? You know, like, how do I, I, right now I don't have what I want to having what I want. How do I do that effectively and make this work? You know, writing a script's a little bit like that. So you kind of need to have the goal in mind. You need to have a little bit of a plan of action, but the plan can be abandoned at any point. I think that's the, the, I think that's the thing. It's like, yes. And and I think as an actor, you read the scene. So you have a plan, you kind of know what's going to happen, but then in a sense, that plan is just, it's, it's just a very like, okay, I'm starting here and I'm going to end up there. That's pretty much what I need to know. There's a few points that I'm pretty sure like, and not, I'm talking emotionally, but there's a few kind of maybe internal plot points we're going to hit here. But like, other than that, I'm just on the ride and I'm going to experience the low, the way I experience the low, I'm going to experience the high, the way I experience the high. And, you know, and I think that any thought beyond that is too much. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like I was, as you're, as you're talking, it's like, especially like, yeah, like the story, it's like, I, it's almost like, you know, if you're going on a road trip, 
Yeah. Right? Like, you know, like, obviously where you're starting. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, I'm home. Yeah. <laughs> this is where it begins. <laughs> yeah. This is where I'm going. Right. Okay. I know that. And I know, and like, I can look at a map. I can, I can draw out my route. I can plan this. It's like, okay, so I'm going to go here and then I'm going to go and I'm going to pass through here and maybe I'll stop here. I'll get gas here or I'll stop and grab something here. Yeah. Right. And it's like, okay, great. But the thing is, is that like, you only know so much by looking at that especially if you're going somewhere you haven't gone before. It's like, yes. it's like, did you know that you're going to be passing through this like beautiful forest on the way? Maybe you didn't. Maybe when you stopped, someone said like, it's like, you know what? If you actually take this route around, you know, there's this beautiful thing. It's like, that's kind of what creative inspiration is. You know, it comes yes. in. It's just like, it's like, Hey, what if you did this? And you go on and you go, Oh, great, great. And then you come back and then you, and you're still heading towards this thing, but you can't, there's no way you can possibly plan for every single moment that's going to happen. Like yes. you just, you can't do it. So it's like, but we try to do it. We try and manipulate and control every single element like in, in our creative processes where we're just like, okay, and it's going to be this, this, this is like, we have this such, this carefully laid out thing. Like it's this, and it's I, like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe some people can actually work this way, but in my experience, it's like, it, it's just not possible because there's just so much that you, you cannot plan for. There's so many things that are unexpected and that, I feel like you have to be willing to be open to, to receiving along the way, because those things along the way are, are the treasures that make the journey. I, I absolutely love this analogy of the road trip. I know I'm at home. I have an idea of where I'm going. And especially if it's a journey I've never taken before. I love this because I think that there's like, you know, I think about Okay, like driving down to LA, for example, right? There's the most obvious from Vancouver to LA is take the I-5. Yeah. Right? This is the All most the obvious path. And the first time you do it, you don't know what restaurants you're going to stop at necessarily. You don't know where you're going to stop to take a pee break. You don't know what's going to happen to the car along the way. And also, let's throw in another factor. If you're doing this road trip with another person or with more than one other person and the personalities and qualities they're going to bring to the table, right? So you don't know what they're going to do on the ride. Yeah. You don't know what their needs are going to be. And this is stuff that is not predictable. So if we try to predict that, we're most likely going to be wrong. Like it, it, we did a road trip to LA, yeah. right? If I was to say, if someone say, Brandon, I want you to predict everywhere that Evan is going to want to stop to take a leak or stop to get coffee or stop to get food. And I want you to know that perfectly and to do that perfectly and have that already planned. I'd be like, I have no idea when that's going to happen. We might stop in the first few hours. We might stop in the first 10 hours. We might, I don't even know if we're going to stop in a hotel and stay yeah. overnight. I don't know what's going to happen. We're going to do one shot, two shot. Another time I went down, I went down with another friend of mine, Jarvis. We took the Oregon coast. We went down an entirely different way. You know what I mean? And, and I'd never seen the Oregon coast and it's a longer road, but I, I love this analogy because I feel like a scene is very much like this. There's many ways for you to get to the same location. And there's a, there's many different people who could be sitting next to you on the road trip. And there's many different factors, different weather conditions, different things that are going to happen and go on during this experience that if you, if you think that you can go on this journey and know how exactly everything's going to happen, you're crazy. Yeah. You're <laughs> absolutely, you're, there's, you're out of your mind. Yeah. There's absolutely, <laughs> unless you're some sort of like 
freaking sentient being that can that can predict every moment in the future, but we're just not that. No. We are not those creatures. We are creatures that are meant to experience things and to and to respond to things. Yes. And like yeah, like it, all you can do is yeah, know your start point, know your end point. Maybe you have an idea of a place you want to go in between. You know, maybe yeah. one or two. <laughs> and you know, you, you can control, you know, what you've packed in your bag. Yeah. <laughs> what you packed along for the ride. That's it. And if it's improv, it's, it's, you don't even know the destination. It's just either go West, go East, go South, go North, go Northeast, whatever. It, basically you get a direction and then you're going to end up somewhere, you know, so it's even more free. Yeah. But, but you kind of have an idea of the direction you're headed. But I think as acting, we almost need to, I think that's why improv is such a good lesson for actors is we need to convince, we need to do it in a way as though we, we've forgotten where we're going to go. Yeah. Right. Where we go, well, um, I know it, we end up here, but I'm just going to forget. Cause maybe like, and, and you know, if you almost plan, like maybe we're going to end up somewhere that looks like this place. I think we're going, it's almost like if I was headed from Vancouver to LA, but I was like, I'm going to end up not in LA, but a place that's like LA right? It's going to be like that. As opposed to being like, I'm going to end up in LA. If I have a preconceived idea of what LA is, I think it's almost like you need to go, I'm going to end up in this kind of, this kind of like place. You know what I mean? Because I think as an actor, that's really all you know. You, you don't really know the destination. Like you, you kind of, you have an idea of what the destination is like maybe. Yeah. Right. But you don't know, like, uh, I uh, like, I remember I did this scene, um, or part of this play, I didn't do the whole thing, but I did this play, uh, in, a, in class, we used to do these really long bits of plays. Apartment 3A, I think it's called. Okay. And there's this part in the play where I'm talking with a girl and we just, we had sex and the character's kind of like a nerd. My character is, and she's like this super hot girl. And I just, my character's just like, I don't, you just like, how is she with me? You know what I mean? And we, we kind of go through the scene we've kind of like hooked up and now we're kind of like, now it's a bit awkward next day or next morning or whatever. And then it gets to the point where we kind of fool around again. And then she says the name of someone else. Right. And then I say, do you love him? Right. Do you love him to love him? Yeah. And this was recorded. And I remember there's this moment where I yell at her. I didn't know this was going to happen. I remember I yelled at her. And I said, do you love him? And she says, yes. And this was actually captured on video. And I, there's this look on my face. Like it just hit me because there's no way that I could have planned for that. But in my life and my eternal representation of all the stuff that was going on, when it hit me in that moment, it was like, like, you don't even know how you're going to respond. You have this idea of what it would look like, but it was interesting because I watched that sometimes I just rewatch it, capture it on video. And I go, what an interesting thing, you know, like, and I think it would be just as fascinating if it was anybody else, if they were really truthful in the moment. I just know that when it hit me, it was like one of those things where it was just like, fuck. Yeah. Like you're in love with someone else and I'm in love with you. And it was just like, you know, in this moment, it's just this little bit of information, right? So, you know, the scene's going there but you have no idea what it's going to look like. Oh yeah. You know, 
Like, that's the thing. But I love this analogy because I think, like, there's so many ways it can go. Even though you're going to kind of take the same route, pretty much. It, you could There's kinda... so many things that are along the way that you're just like, <sighs> like, yeah. there's just, there's absolutely no way. Yeah. I mean, I, like, recently, like, was in, like, did this trip out to Tofino, you know, and I've actually done it, but it was many, many years ago that I, that I did it. And, you know, it's like, so we had to plan all of that. I was like, okay, how are we getting there? All right. Well, there's pretty much only really one one to like the most sort of efficient route to get there. So this is the one we'll do. But you know, like, yeah, we stopped at different places. There were things along the way that I, I didn't remember, you know, that along the way, like these beautiful sites that I'm like, I didn't know this was here. There's a, a stretch of road that was like, and it was just like torrential downpouring on our way down. And it was like, like these narrow winding roads and semi trucks are just barreling through there. And it was like, Oh my God, like I didn't, didn't plan for that. I didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah. You know, and even the place that we were staying, like we saw like pictures of it, you know, on the site that we booked it on. Right. But then you get there and you are like, Oh, okay. <laughs> like this yeah. is what it actually, like you just, you never, you can never fully know something until you actually experience it. Right. So, but we always like, we we're just so uncomfortable with, with allowing that. I don't know why we're just, it just makes us so weird. We resist it so much, but that's the only thing you can plan for is that anything can happen to experience it. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about this analogy to this road trip analogy. We're headed from the home to the place. Right. And I was thinking like as a writer, the flexibility you have, maybe you don't necessarily have, or maybe as a songwriter too, I suppose, but just a writer creator that way. You, you get to choose maybe a different journey. I'm realizing this with the Burning Blue script. I've mentioned this many times, but I'm doing my next rewrite. And it's like, I'm going to the same location at the end, really. Yeah. But now I'm taking this different road and it's making it so much better. Because the road that I took the first time was probably the most obvious road. And then the next road I took was maybe the next most obvious road, although it was more unique. And now on the road that I'm on, I'm like, you know, once it hit me that I could take it that way, it was like, of course, of course, that's the way it needs to go. That's the best (laughs) way to go that I can see right now. And it's, and it's a wonderful thing because I'm on this road now and I've never traveled this road, but the other road, the first road I had written, I kind of traveled that road before. And the other one I had maybe like seen a little bit of traveling. This road is like totally new. And this road I already can tell the script's way better. Yeah. The experience is way better. The moments are way better because, and it's just about taking a different route, but to the same destination. And now what's going to be really fascinating is I can't wait till this movie actually finally gets produced and the whole thing goes through, but to see how everyone else participates on the road that the script ended up taking, yeah. which is like, you know, and uh, it, you know, I teach, uh, I teach screenwriting, right? So I show people the current script. I, you know, writers, I'm just like, yeah, this is one that's got financing. So here's an idea. But eventually when all the various versions are done, my plan is to show students and clients that I work with all three drafts. So you can see, here's the, I'll show them the final draft first, then I'll show them the next draft and then I'll show them the first draft just so they can see how far things came from. Yeah. Because it's been a literal journey of like writing this script for me. And I think the road trip is such an accurate thing because now the reason why I think the script is the best that it's been is because now I'm on a road I've never taken before. And I think the reason why it was the weakest on the first right was partly because that was a road I thought I knew, you know, whereas this road, 
I kind of deal with it as I, something hits, you know, it's kind of like, um, untreaded territory, but yet I know it's leading to the same destination. Yeah. It's just a little more windy. It's a little more visual. It's a little more, uh, you know, it's got a view and it's got some dips. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I love this analogy. It's yeah, no, I, it's, I'm, I'm glad I, again, I, it was something I stumbled upon it. Yeah. And it's, it's something I've never thought about before. You, you planned it before the call, yeah. didn't you, Evan? You planned. You're like, I know what I'm going to talk about Oh, you got today. me. You Not got so me. serious Sunday. I'm going to talk about a road trip analogy <laughs> to reference it to, to a story. To a story or to the creative process. <laughs> It'll be perfect. To making art. No. It'll be my moment. Yeah. Brandon will be like, that was such a great idea, Evan. It was so clever. <laughs> and, he'll, and he'll use it in his, in his classes. Patent, patent pending. Patent pending. So, uh, Evan's that... road trip, <laughs> the story of creativity. <laughs> <laughs> no, we go there. Yeah. Oh God. I know. It's just like, I feel like, I feel like I'm doing a, a jerk off, a yeah. jerk off there just in saying that. Um, well, let's end it there. Let's end it there. Let's, end, let's it there. end it on a high note. Yeah. Um, so really like, what are we talking about? Like What's it's the takeaway. It's well, let me tell you what I took away. All right. That, and it kind of came from your analogy and it came from just all the discovery and talking about nice and talking about cool and whatever, but is, uh, you got to travel a road that you don't know, you know, and trust that, you know, the road that you're traveling will lead you to where you want to go, but it'll be a better experience, you know, as opposed to, and, you know, I think sometimes maybe doing the most efficient thing for something that isn't like the most important to you, maybe that works for certain scenarios. But if you really want to get into art, I think the lesson that I'm taking from this, if I really want to get into art, is that I'm going to take the road that's not so obvious. Because if I could have written, say, this draft, and I think I could actually, I think every script I write from this point on is kind of going to be like, more like the third, or well, I call it the third draft, because it's the third major change. Yeah. The many drafts. But um, with this script, The Burning Blues, is I finally feel like now... I'm telling a story that's, that's more, that's more, um, experiential for me. And it's a lot more fun to write. I mean, it's been enjoyable to write, but, and I don't know if I'll do another one, but I think take the road that you don't know to get to the destination and on that experience it, you know, as opposed to taking the road that you think, you know, and then kind of almost not being as open to the, the experience of it, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Take the road less traveled, as they I say. I know, as cliche as that is, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and ironically, I've had that. That's the kind of discovery I've had. Yeah. But in a maybe a deeper way than the obvious yeah. saying. Yeah. And, you know, it's... It, I don't know, I guess this is, like, to me, like, this is all about... We've been talking about, like, authenticity. And, and you know, take take the journey of, you know, figuring out... Or start at least starting to learn about who you are and, and what you think and, and sharing that with people. And, and that's, you know, that's what cool actually is, you know, like that's, <laughs> that's where it, where it all, it all starts. And, and, and yeah, and I, I you know, I, it's not like I'm tooting my own horn here, but you know, like I'm, because truly like the, the whole, this road trip thing, <laughs> this analogy, I'm like, I'm like, Oh wow. Like I, I don't even, I don't even feel like this was like my idea. I'm sure lots of other people have used a road trip analogy before, but it's like, you know, I'm, I'm glad because it's actually, I'm learning something from it, mm. you know, like from 
this discovery. And it's just like, you know, there's just, you know, have this, have your destination in mind, you know, like just know where you want to go, like this beautiful place that you want to arrive to. You know, that's where, that's where my journeys usually begin. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, what's this beautiful place you want to arrive to? And that's what you need to know. That's the most important thing. And then you'll find out how you get there by, by, by going on the journey. Yeah. You know, you don't need to know everything because you can't know everything. I think we've, we've (laughs) pretty much made that as obvious as we can make it. You just don't know. And there's no way you can know. So to try and, and know to, to try and plan every step and to delay yourself and to do all of this to try and cover every single base is somewhat an act of insanity because it it is impossible. Mm -hmm. It is impossible. You can't, you won't know every rock, every turn, every tree, every valley, every that's going to be on this. Like you, you don't like it's, you, you can't. I think that's what made, uh, I think that's what made Marlon Brando's, uh, performance of a streetcar named desire. So fascinating. The 200 times he apparently did it on stage because every time he started that play till when he ended that play, um, from what I hear and obviously never saw it myself was that it was another experience for the audience and for him. Yeah. And, um, and for the other actors. Yeah. But that's such an exciting place to work from. Yeah. That is such an exciting place to work from. Just be like, I don't know what's happening next and embracing it just to embrace it. Like that's when you just go, Oh man, this is, this is the only way to work. Yeah. (laughs) This has been good, man. All right. All right. Not so serious Sunday. We'll see you later. That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family, or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks.